German, if you haven't figured that out yet. I know a lot of you guys. Um, my, uh, I live here in Germantown, and my family lives here in Germantown. And uh, so we know a lot of people here at Great Oaks pretty well because of uh, just the Germantown connection. And uh, I know some of you at least a little bit. And for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting, I wanted to give you just a little bit of background. So it's like, who the heck is this guy and why is he here? Well, I can tell you why he's here. It's between Christmas and New Year and everybody leaves. So I got <laughs> so my, my wife, Tina, and I are, um, oh, yeah, I forgot. I didn't have three hands, so I've got a water bottle in there, too. That's like magic. Okay. Uh, my wife, Tina, and I are uh, longtime Germantown people. And... Uh, my parents, uh, my parents still live in the house I grew up in, just about 10 minutes that way in rural Metamora and uh, down Lord's Road. Tina grew up in the neighborhood over by the fire station, right over there. And uh, so we are kind of longtime Germantown connections. In fact, um, we both graduated from uh, Metamora High School. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it away in 89. And, uh, <laughs> and we, are, we are high school sweethearts. And uh, we went off to college and then came back to the community and have lived here in Germantown um, as a married couple for almost 20 years. And uh, we have six kids, three boys and three girls, uh, ranging from 17 to 5. I know, gasp, get it out of the way. We're crazy like that, okay? And uh, they're all in Germantown and Metamora schools. And um, I was one of the pastors over at New Life Christian Church uh, in Morton up until October of this year. And New Life um, it has been in existence for about 30 years. And they launched a second campus that started meeting over at ICC. And I became the campus pastor of that campus up until about two months ago. And uh, our family was at New Life for 21 years, 21 years, um, my entire adult life, I did church at, at New Life Christian Church, and we had a senior sh uh, leadership change last year in January, and the church started going in a direction that I didn't feel like God was envisioning for our particular future, in my family in particular, so we gently parted ways as friends, and there's not some horrible, bitter thing that happened between me and New Life, we just parted ways, so that sort of, it sort of freed up my Sundays. And uh, <laughs> my wife, Tina, and I, uh, we went to Eastern Illinois uh, with Chris and Karen Genders. Um, and uh, Tina was actually housemates with Karen for a year. And uh, so we've got that kind of connection right there. And if Chris were standing right up here, he would correct me and say that he and I never actually went to school together, that I graduated the year before he showed up. And the only reason we know each other is because our wives lived together and we kept visiting them constantly. And he's right. And he likes to point that out because I'm barely like three and a half years older than him. Okay. And he's always like, you know, I think that guy is your age. And I'm like, Chris, we are the same age, man. At some point, you get to a certain age, and we are the same age. Ask a high school student which one of us is younger. They don't care. Um, so I just had to rub that in. I know he's not here, but I'd like you to give that a, give him a hard time on that. Um, I know Nate a little bit, uh, just, and I know, I've gotten to know Pastor Bill a little bit over the last few months, and along with some other folks in Great Oaks Senior Leadership, and uh, somehow that all led to me filling the platform here this morning, and I, I, do, I need you to know, I, I really, um, I just enjoy talking about Jesus. I enjoy helping people come to know him better, because that's what I'm trying to do in my life each day, and um, just following him more closely than we already do next week than we did last week is something that fires me up, and I'm super grateful for the opportunity uh, to connect with you guys this morning. And since it's two days after Christmas, I expect everybody's sort of breathing a sigh of relief and enjoying uh, the pause that sort of happens for a lot of us now that Christmas is over. And by the way, Christmas on a Friday is awesome, I've decided, because it's like you get to, even if you have to go back to work, who has to go back to work uh, in this next week? Everyone show showing me hands. We've got a good group of here has to go back to work. I have to go back to work uh, this next week. Uh, but you got the weekend to recover after Christmas and enjoy family and enjoy presents and all that stuff. So I was thinking about what to share with you guys today and what I should talk about and what's kind of on our minds here as Christmas is over with the new year coming. And I thought maybe you guys might be primed for a challenge to do something that could 
be really basic, but also really profoundly change your life in 2016. And I hope that's not too heavy and crazy for you on the day on the Sunday after Christmas, because I know that's a big challenge. You can change my life in 2016. Um, I believe that whether you are a new believer or a longtime veteran of the Christian life, we all need an occasional challenge to seek out a fresh mentoring from God's word. For every human being, whether they want to admit it or not, we need God to guide us. We need him to lead us, to show us the way forward, to give us clarity, to make the best decisions that we can make. We need him to speak truth into difficult situations, to be present with us all the time, to mentor us. And what I'm after here this morning, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag earlier, myself included, is a renewed commitment to the fresh mentoring of God's word. Because we all need a fresh connection with God. We need a fresh connection with God, whether you're a longtime believer or a new believer. Would you say that phrase with me? Say we need it. Just say it out loud with me. Go. We need a fresh connection with God. Every one of us has the propensity to let our connection with God get stale, to sort of let it slide or go on coast. We need a fresh connection with God. I believe that. And we're coming up here on a new year, and I thought maybe this is a great time to make a commitment to spending time with God the God who loves us. It's that time. We can do that. And, and I know there's like mixed reaction to that in the room. It's like, oh, yeah, I've tried this before. You know, this is a, the failure light is going off. Okay, I want you to just put that down. Calm down, okay? It's going to be okay. I want to just get, I want to try and give you something real practical this morning that can hopefully be a life changer for you here in 2016. Hebrews 4, uh, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So in light of that, I have become convinced over the course of my life that regular Bible reading done in the right way is the most effective way to remain sensitive to God's leading and to his guidance. It brings us an awareness of his presence, that he's with us, and, and it gives us a clarity about our circumstances that we're walking into. Time in God's word, in the Bible, is the most consistent way for us to find that fresh connection with God. I believe that. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them this morning. Um, or if you're, you know, using a version app or whatever. If you, by the way, I wanted to say this, um, everybody's got a phone with them at all times, and if you have not been introduced to version, I recommend version. It's, it's just such a great thing. You can read in multiple different translations, and you basically are carrying a Bible with you all the time once you download that app, and so it's like, you know, everybody's got their phone, so download version and have it. Then you will have the Bible at your fingertips whenever you need it. All right, enough on that. I am not a version representative, and nobody paid me to say that. Okay, uh, <laughs> let me, I want to ask this, a little survey here, a little survey. Um, let me ask you this. How many of you struggle, now, if you're brave enough to answer this, I'm going to just give you applause, okay? How many of you struggle with reading the Bible? Just raise your hand if you feel like you'd be okay. Some of you struggle. I've, I've had my share of struggles with reading the Bible. I want to just tell you, you are not alone. I totally relate to you. Um, most of us have good intentions, right? Have you ever gotten your Bible out and you're like, I want to spend time with God, I want to read the Bible, but you just don't quite get there and it's like uh, you either get distracted because you hear the TV on over here or, you know, there's some food that you saw and then it's like, forget it, I'm just going to eat. <laughs> or you opened up your Bible and you do some cold reading and there's just not um, that connection. It just didn't happen. You sort of, you kind of walk through the motions and it's sort of like shrug, move on. 
I know some of you guys feel that. I know some of you feel that. Some of us struggle. Uh, but I want to say this, too. Some of, us, uh, we need, some, of has, some of us have that desire and we struggle, but some of us don't even have that desire. Uh, we don't have distractions or frustrations because we're not even trying. We're just like, we're showing up to church. It's our one attempt per week to kind of have some spiritual input and uh, make that connection with God. Uh, but we're not, even, we're not even attempting to look in the Word of God outside of, outside of Sunday morning. And, folks, I want you to know I am not a legalist. Uh, meaning that uh, I don't believe we are in God's doghouse at any point if we're not reading our Bible regularly. You need to eject that from your thoughts if that's how you think about God. He loves us. He loves us like crazy. He's, he's just uh, crazy about us. Uh, he is love. The Bible says God is love. His grace is so far-reaching, and nothing is going to change that. But i got to ask you, what are we doing here? What are we doing here in church? We say we follow Jesus, right? But following Jesus means you walk in his footsteps. You, when you say follow Jesus, he's moving ahead and we're following him, walking in his footsteps, getting to know him better and better. And as you get to know him, you start being able to discern his voice from the voice of the world around you and the voice of your own desires. You cultivate a connection with God. That's what following him means. And I know daily devotions, you know, I'm putting quotes around that, aren't a cure-all for every problem that we have and that we face. But one thing is sure, neglecting time in God's word will result in us perceiving our problems and difficulties that we're going to face in life through human eyes. It will result in us perceiving everything around us through human eyes rather than through God's eyes. That's how that's going to go. And we're supposed to, in this kind of group, be a group of people who have found a better way. We've found a better way. We've got access to the God of the universe, right? So let's take advantage of that. Life is hard, folks. Life is hard. We are all dealing with difficulties in life. I know in a group this size, they're kinda, we're kind of all over the map on what you guys are dealing with. There is stuff weighing on people in this room right now. Um, stuff's weighing on me, too. My, uh, my father got diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer just a few weeks ago. And uh, this is weighing heavily on me and on my family. And if I was only looking at that situation through my own human eyes, I would consistently feel overwhelmed. I'd feel alone in it. But the truth is, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone. Spending unrushed time with God and his word in the Bible, it releases this fountain of fresh, of refreshment, if you will, that fresh mentoring from God for me, for all of us. Psalm 119, 105 describes it like this. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path my path. We get a sense of God's presence through, through his word. We begin to see a way forward in the darkness by connecting to God through his word. We need a fresh connection with God. Would you say it with me again? We need a fresh connection with God. You didn't say that with enough conviction. I'm making you say it again. Say it. We need a fresh connection with God. I saw this weird movie once um, called AI. Uh, anybody seen the movie AI? It stands for artificial intelligence. Anybody got a hand? For, I know. That I figured there'd be like five percent of you who've seen it. So you know that's kind of life when you've got a weird off movie like AI. Okay, I'm going to sum this movie up, and I hope you're like, you're going to tell me a movie? I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll make it quick. I promise. And there is a point. I promise you. Okay, there's this couple in this movie whose ten-year-old son ends up with this terminal disease. So they freeze him. It's the future. They freeze him, and they hope for a cure. It's a real pick-me-up, let me tell you, okay? But it's what they do, all right? It's what happens in the future. So in their grief, this couple orders this custom-made cyborg kid to replace their son. 
right, you're like, okay, I'm never watching this movie. <laughs> That's fine. Don't watch it, all right? His name is David. The cyborg kid's name is David. And it is slightly disturbing. The whole concept is slightly disturbing, okay? He's got this electronic talking teddy bear that he walks around with. But I already said the movie was weird, okay? I think it's Steven Spielberg, and, uh, you know, he's an alien-loving nut, but you just kind of roll with this, okay? David is this kid. He's this robot cyborg who starts to feel love for his human mother. And it's weird, but it works in the movie. I don't know why. You're watching and actually buying into the idea that this, this computerized boy can begin to share love and receive love and intimacy with the mom. In fact, he actually starts to want to be loved back. His mom is all he can talk about, okay? And all of a sudden, guess what happens? They find a cure for the frozen son, right? And uh, the real son. And they unfreeze him and he comes home. And all these problems start popping up between the real son and David, the robot son. And, and the parents don't know what to do because they've gotten themselves into this situation. So they basically reject David, the robot boy, because, well, he's a robot, okay? And uh, they make you feel, <laughs> I know, they make you feel really, really bad for David, the robot boy, because he has learned how to love his mom. And he wants love in return. And there's this verbal exchange that happens between the mom and David, uh, the, the cyborg, uh, that drives up the angst as you're watching this film. I'm going to just read you a piece of the dialogue here. It says this is going to, it's like, remember, this is between robot boy and mom, so you're not supposed to feel any emotion. I mean, he's not even real, right? But here's what, here's what happened. He says, mom says, you won't understand the reasons, David, but I have to leave you here. He says, is it a game? No. When will you come back for me? The mom says, I'm not, David. You'll have to be here by yourself. Alone? With Teddy. And then here's David says, no, mommy, please. No, no, please, mommy. And mommy says, I have to go. I have to go. Stop it. I have to go. She pushes him back. Mommy, don't. Mommy, if Pinocchio became real and I became a real boy, can I come home? And she says, that's just a story. And he says, but a story tells what happens. And she says, stories are not real. You're not real. And he says, why do you want to leave me? Why? I'm, not, I'm sorry I'm not real. If you let me, I'll be so real for you. And in one of the most depressing cinematic scenes ever filmed, <laughs> you see the rejected robot boy David sitting in a discarded, submerged vehicle at the bottom of the ocean, staring at this statue that he finds of this blue fairy that's fallen down under the ocean with him. And he believes if he stares at this statue long enough, it's going to make him real. And if that statue will make him real, then maybe his mom will love him and he can go home and he'll be her real son and she'll take him back. And he just sits there frozen, literally because he's a, rob a robot. He sits there for a couple thousand years. And he stares at the blue fairy, and it becomes his substitute for intimacy. He doesn't get to spend any time with his real mom, so he sort of settles for the blue fairy statue and hopes that things will get better someday. So if you want to sink into a deep state of depression, go watch AI, all right? This, <laughs> it's on Netflix, okay? Um, and and I, I brought up this scene of David the Robot Boy because, guys, him being alone and settling for that substitute, it reminded me of what humans do. And I think that's why it grabs your heart when you watch it. It's what people do. People who follow Jesus, we're like this robot kid because in the first few days that he's sitting there, and he sits in front of the blue fairy, he's hoping for fulfillment, but fulfillment doesn't come. And he just keeps waiting and doing the same thing forever hoping for something that'll never come. And a lot of us are waiting for something to happen. We're sort of doing the same substitution for, for intimacy with God and hoping that that intimacy is going to come. But we're stuck in a rut and we're spending our time at the gym or with our girlfriend or with our video games or on Facebook or doing our hobbies and we're trying to find some me time and these things have become the little blue fairy that we're just going back to over and over again. And we're all stuck in our schedules and it's killing us. It's killing us. For Christians, we add in church attendance and uh, Christian culture kind of comes into our experience. 
But that can actually be more of the blue fairy. It can be a substitute for God. It can be a substitute for intimacy with God. We need, as a group of people, we need a fresh connection with God. Would you say that with me again? We need a fresh connection with God. We settle for a spiritual routine that lacks God's presence. We go through life wanting to be intimately connected with God, but we don't know how. Or we just never quite get there. And if we dig deep and we explore what we truly want, what we find is we need a dynamic, vital, and intimate relationship with God. It is what we have been designed for. And folks, he's not going to reject us like David's mom did in the movie. I'll talk a little bit later about how rejection can paralyze us into looking for um, intimacy and substitutes that aren't God. But rejection is not what God's about. He is about acceptance. We sang earlier, your love never fails, right? Your love never fails. It never gives up. And we sing that because we can see in Scripture and we believe that God is real. He's never going to give up on us even no matter how far we run from him. He's calling us back. And we sang, we sang Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. There's this connection that we can make there. That's why we're singing those songs. That's why we're singing those songs because we believe that God desires intimacy and relationship with us. He's not going to reject us. He longs for relationship with us. And he's not sending us away to figure life out on our own, folks. He's right there. He's ready to do life with us. And he longs to be with us more than we long to be with him because he knows what we need is relationship. John 17, 3 are the words of Jesus where he's praying to the Father and this is what Jesus said. He said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He lo God longs for intimacy with us. It's time to rethink the way that we live. Are you staring at a substitute for intimacy? Is that what you're spending your life doing? It's time to stop. Now, our goal today is to move from routine to relationship, from mundane actions to a fresh encounter with God by learning to hear God speak to us. And I would propose that our best way to do that is through the Bible. We want to become equipped believers who are able to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as we read God's word. And if we can just hear his voice and get some clarity about what he's telling us, it's going to transform our time with him. It's going to transform the way we interact with other people. And we'll long to sit down at our tables with our Bibles and seek him. It won't be duty that we're feeling obligated to and guilty if we don't get to, guys. It'll be this thing where we make a connection that's real and that changes us. We long to keep repeating that process of becoming deeply connected with God, to know him more and more, and we'll stop looking to substitutes that are going to leave us feeling empty. We will find that fresh connection with God if we'll go looking for it. Try just for a second to imagine that over the next week or month, you quickly be develop this way of intimately connecting with God, and you know how to do it. And it's like, this is how I connect with God. And you've sort of got this thing that's working for you, okay? And you, you imagine you're doing that maybe even in the next couple of weeks, okay? And you develop this new habit of connecting with him daily, and all of a sudden, he's breaking through into different areas of your life. And all of a sudden, we go through the year, and at Christmas time next year, you're hitting the Sunday after Christmas, and you're coming together, and you're kind of assessing your past year, and you say, Wow. I think, I think maybe I know God a bit more. I understand his character a bit more. I, I feel like I, I understand what it means to follow him a bit more than I did last year. Can you picture that? Can you imagine being able to look back and see that growth that goes beyond incremental to deeper and faster to the place where we are really hearing his voice? Guys, we can get there. We can get there because he wants that from us. He wants that kind of relationship with us. 
That's what he wants to have with you, and that's what he wants to have with me. So let's go. Um, let's figure out how to get there. Um, Sunday, Sunday morning service for one hour a week is not going to cut it, folks. Um, we have got to become self-feeding Christians to enjoy a dynamic, vital, and intimate relationship with God as we hear him speaking daily through the Bible. We want to develop lifelong habits of connecting with him regularly and daily, and that's what following Jesus is all about. And you guys... Scripture never stops teaching us. That's the great part. We're always being taught. We're always being mentored, not only by the Holy Spirit, but also by the characters and writers within the pages of the Bible itself. Second Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be complete. Don't you want to be complete? I, I want to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, you guys probably remember the story of Mary and Martha um, and how Jesus esteemed Mary's love for him. He praised her pursuit of intimacy with him. Mary was the one working in the kitchen, and she kind of started complaining because Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She's like, Lord, why isn't she helping me? And Jesus said, she's doing the right thing. She's doing the awesome thing. Actually, the words are this. It says, you are worried and upset about many things. This is from Luke 10. You are worried and upset about many things, and he's talking to Martha. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Mary's decision to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him and value that relationship is what was needed most. That's, Jesus said it, not me. It's pretty profound, right? Pretty profound. That Jesus wants us to sit at his feet and listen to him. He values that above our work for him. So developing a devotional life is key. And a healthy de devotional life is going to center around the Bible. I believe that. Because there is power in God's word. Our lives, our emotions, our relationships, our effectiveness in doing this life all can be transformed for the better through the words in the Bible. And I want to read you a verse that has the power to change us. Joshua 1.8 says this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's a promise that we can trust. And you know where it's from? It's from the Bible. It's from the Bible. You want, to, you want to be successful in this life, and it may not, not be defined as American successful, but successful in this life in God's eyes, meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. We have examples in history, in the Bible, in people's lives around us. Uh, a lot of us have seen God's power demonstrated in our own lives, right? How many people have seen God's power demonstrated in your life that you can point to and tell the story, right? All right, uh, me too. I've got moments like that where I can say, here's what God did. When we let God become our mentor, we find out how good he is, and we recognize that we need a fresh connection with him. We need a fresh connection with God. Would you say it with me again? We need a fresh connection with God. In 2 Kings uh, 22, you read the story about Josiah becoming king. And uh, if we read through that chapter, what you discover quickly is that God's word had been neglected. It had been lost. Um, if you're feeling like, man, God's word has been neglected and lost in my house, uh, go read 2 Kings 22. Um, what happened here is the, the people had no idea what God expected of them because they had not been exposed to his word. Just, I'm going to read you a little piece of it starting in verse 8. It says this, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan who read it. Jump to verse 10. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. Now look at Josiah's, King Josiah's reaction here in verse 11. This is in light of the fact that the, uh, 
that the book has been neglected. Okay, it says this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, sorry, Achbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah's king, the servant, saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. They rediscovered God's word. Josiah hears the word of God and he's moved. He's moved. It's like he immediately recognizes the unique value that God's word brings to his, him and his people. He goes, wait a minute, we have the ability to hear from God, and we've had it all this time, and we were dumb, and we lost the book, and we haven't been able to hear from him? What are we doing? This is terrible. Let's find out what God wants us to live like and wants us to be like. Let's discover who he is, the one who we serve and whose favor we long for. Let's find out what he has to say to us, and let's forget the substitutes, no more blue fairies, and let's connect forever with the real God. And if you want to read on from there, you'll find that, out that Josiah took the fact that he had access to God's word very seriously. He began to run his kingdom from God's word, from a commitment to doing what God said in the scripture. Guys, we have the same access. We have the same access to the scriptures. We can get in there and learn from the God, same God that Josiah learned from. Because our Bibles don't have to be dug up from somewhere where they're buried. I don't know, maybe yours does. <laughs> but, but folks, you can get the, like I said, you can download the YouVersion app and have the Bible with you all the time. There is, you have access to it. There's this powerful spiritual book that we believe holds the truth of God and you can carry it around in your pocket. The scripture was laying dormant and Josiah rediscovered it. This might be a picture of some of you guys who are longtime believers in your spiritual life? Has the scripture been laying dormant in your life? Don't let this treasure go untapped, folks. You've got access to it. Don't let it go untapped. Rediscover it. We need a fresh connection with God. Say that phrase with me again. We need a fresh connection with God. If we can begin to understand the value of God's word of the Bible, that it's the primary way for us to develop that relationship with God that we long for, we can start to get practical with it. And I want to go over a basic approach to connecting with God here, okay? And uh, this is an interesting thing, and this is pretty straightforward and basic, and you're going to go, you're a pastor and you use this, and I'm going to say, yes, I do, okay? Uh, <laughs> I use this method called SOAP, S-O-A-P. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Actually, if you grab your program, um, just look inside your program on this. It says a fresh connection with God there right on the back. We have those written out, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. If you want to kind of take note of those and make some notes, that would be great. Um, you can use, I'm giving you something practical here, folks. If you haven't caught on here, I'm trying to get you stoked up about reading God's Word and then just like, all right, I'll go home and read the Word. I'm trying to give you something practical to go home and do, okay? So hang with me here, all right? Scripture. You can use this soap con uh, you know, approach in conjunction with a journal, I would recommend, uh, to see a vibrant devotional life start to happen in your life. And um, now for those of you um, who have a vibrant devotional life and you're sort of connecting with God all the time, you can just smile and nod along, okay? Uh, you don't have to do what I'm saying right now or in any way, shape, or form as I lay this out. But just know that uh, for some people, this is going to be new. This is going to be a new thing. And I hope, my hope here, folks, is that uh, as we begin to understand how to connect with God on a daily basis, uh, how to connect with God through Scripture, that you'll begin to desire that fresh mentoring from His Word every day. This SOAP acronym that's laid out in your program, here, here's how you use this thing to have a meaningful encounter with Jesus. Um, you, will need a, you will need a Bible. You will need a pen. You will need a journal or a, uh, you know, 
that kind of thing, okay? And I know a journal sounds really, really important. Here's mine. It looks like a little Harry Potter book of some sort, right? It's not, trust me, okay? Uh, but, and it sounds, but if you just have a spiral notebook or a notepad, that will work, okay? You don't have to have some awesome little journal-y thing. Um, and that might, the journal, by the way, might be the biggest thing to overcome for some of us. We're like, you want me to write stuff down? Are you serious? You just like narrowed it down to like 3% of the population. Okay, I don't care. I want you to try this, okay? I want you to give this a try. Um, it would be helpful for you uh, if you have a something to write on, okay? Just trust me on this. Uh, for us less organized people, this is really not that crucial, so don't let the organizational tool scare you away from taking a step forward with your devotional life, but I wanted to encourage you to try it because I am not the kind of person who would naturally do this. One thing you'll need is a time that works for you. You need to pick a time. Morning is good for me, um, specifically right after we get the first wave of kids on the bus. That's a good time. For me, to, there's space between when the first bus, you know, I told you earlier I have six kids, right? There was actually one point in our history where four buses were coming by our house. Four buses, I kid you not. Anyway, all right. So uh, the uh, first wave goes by and all of a sudden my sixth graders on the bus, I've got a little space in there. So that's my time. I like to spend time with God right in that space because it's usually quiet. Um, nobody's trying to bug me. And some of, some of you, night is going to be better than morning um, because maybe everybody else gets in bed. Um, that does not work for me because I will fall asleep, guaranteed. Uh, I have tried it, I know. Uh, maybe you've got a quiet lunch hour that works for you in your schedule uh, where, you know, you can just kind of get in there. But let me say this. Unless you identify and commit to a time that works for you and your schedule, you're just going to sit and stare at the Blue Fairy for the rest of your life. Okay? And you do not want to do that. I don't want you to do that. I don't want to do that. You're going to be hoping for something that just isn't going to happen. So pick a time. Pick a time and stick to it. Once you've got your time, pick a location. Pick a location. I know it seems like I'm speaking the obvious here, right? But sometimes you've got to lay it out there. It's helpful for a lot of us to make it a consistent place. But if you want to mix it up and go outside when you're reading and when it's nice outside, go for it. And if you want to go in your bedroom when it's not nice outside or in the bathroom, too much information, or, or the basement or wherever, that's fine. Just pick a spot that allows you to be as distraction-free as possible. Like for me, spending time with God in my, with my laptop open nearby is a bad idea. It is a bad idea. It, phone nearby, also bad idea. It doesn't work. Outside communication is trying to pull me away from God's word the whole time. It's just a bad idea. And the living room couch doesn't really work because people wake up and start zipping in and out of the room and they all want something from me. So I like to hide in my front room. I like to hide in my front room. It's still connected to the happenings of the house, but it's in a low traffic zone. So that's where I go for my location. Once you have your time and once you have your location and you've settled in, you need to proceed with prayer. And when I say prayer, what I mean is this. You need to pray for the Holy Spirit to open your mind and transmit truth from his word to your mind and heart. Pray something like this. And here's, I, I need you to know, when I say prayer, I think people get, the, get worried that I'm going to say, get down on your knees and pray for 25 minutes straight or 30 minutes straight or for an hour or two straight. That is not what I'm saying. Here is what I pray before I read the Bible. And I'm going to give you my words, okay? And this is, it's a variation of this. I pray, Holy Spirit, you know my tendency to be distracted, but I want to know Jesus a little more today than I did yesterday. Will you help me to hear and recognize your voice today? Will you lead me to the right places in your word? Will you show me what you want me to know and understand today? Thank you in advance for the way that you're going to speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. That's it. 
It's, that's it. That's the extent of the prayer before I start reading the Bible. It took what, 30 seconds, 20 seconds? Okay, because I'm asking God to speak to me. I don't want to just go through the motions, a wooden motion where I just read and then set it down and say, well, that was interesting. No, I want God to speak to me and change me. That's the whole goal of reading the Bible, right? So starting with that prayer is really important, and I believe it's important not to skip that step. Otherwise, you're walking right into it with a human heart saying, how soon can I get this done so I can get on and get ready for work? Okay, the idea is I got to have, I got to ask God to speak. So that I, so for my for my own sake, so that I'm ready. Now the S in soap, the S in soap, the top one there in your program is for scripture. So, all this means is that you open up your Bible and you read it. And if you don't know where to start, I'd recommend Proverbs or read James or read of a book a book of the Bible that you know nothing about. Um, I recommend starting with maybe one of the letters in the New Testament or even with the Gospel of Mark. Pick something and just start reading it. Just decide. Um, I think a lot of us are like, well, I don't know where to start. Pick something. It isn't that hard, okay? Just decide. And you can read as much or as little of it as you'd like to. You may discover that the first line that you read in the Bible is speaking directly to a circumstance or a situation that you're dealing with. And you just need to read that verse several times to sort of let it soak in and let the truth of God settle into your heart about it. Or maybe you'll move through a couple of chapters and, and it's like sort of waiting for something to pop out. And all of a sudden that verse within that passage, two chapters in, will jump out at you. It doesn't really matter. Just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Okay, that's, that's the scripture part. The O in soap is for observation. All this means is when something does jump out at me, you pause and you say, huh, what do I see here? What is God saying here? What can I observe about what I just read? It's pretty basic, okay? But that observation is what leads us to the next step, which is application. The A in soap is for application, and you ask yourself, based on the scripture that just jumped out to you, you say, what am I supposed to do now? What do I do with this, Lord? How am I supposed to respond based on what you've just showed me? Is there a way that I need to be thinking differently? Is there someone I need to talk to or reach out to? Uh, is there something that I'm supposed to respond in a certain way about this? Is there an action that I need to take? And when you get the answer to that question and act on it, that's called application. That's the A. The P in SOAP is prayer. And this is simple. You just say, Lord, here's what I think you're saying. Here's my situation, how I think I can apply what your word just said to me. Would you please help me have the courage to follow through and show me if there's anything that I'm missing here? And remember, prayer is a two-way street. We talk to God, and then we build in some silence when we pray. Okay? Now, I said you'd need a journal. It's fun, more fun to have a cool-looking journal if you can get one. But if you have a notebook or whatever, um, I know journaling is that's fine. I know some of you, this is where you give up, right? You check out. It's like, would you stop talking about the journal, man? I don't journal. I don't write. I'm not a writer. I want to make this easy on you, okay? Because um, not many of us do consider ourselves writers. And I would say that there is a dislike toward writing among people in general. It's like, that's what they made me do in school. Don't make me do it when I'm with God, okay? But do not knock it until you have tried it, okay? Because, folks... If you'll write down what you think God's speaking to you in the moment and saying as you go through the soap method, what he says will stick with you. And you'll be able to remember it a few days down the road and go, oh yeah, I'm in, I remember God spoke to me about this just a few days ago. But you don't need to think of journaling as a, as a record of poetic or flowery speech that people will, will uh, you know, read and later critique. You've got to put that out of your mind. And uh, I think that's what scares a lot of us away. Let, I want to read you one of my journal entries from just a few weeks ago, okay? Um, I'm not going to read it straight out of here. I printed it on my page. It says this. December 14th, 2015, this is a week and a half ago, a week or so ago, whatever. I awoke languidly from a torpid lethargy under a slate gray sky, only to find myself, no, it's not that! <laughs> I'm just kidding! Here's what, I wrote, here's what I wrote on December 14th. I was, <laughs> that's so stupid. I was using the soap method, 
So I started with S for scripture. I'm going to read you what I wrote here, okay? And I was reading Deuteronomy that day. It's not exactly light reading. I wouldn't recommend starting there. But I was actually four chapters in before one particular verse jumped out at me. I busted through four chapters of Deuteronomy, okay? And uh, all of a sudden, this jumped out at me. And um, it just took me about 10 minutes to get to this spot. And I was committed to reading until something jumped out at me. So I got to chapter 4, and I wrote down this verse next to my S for scripture. Now, just keep in mind, I wrote the letter S in my journal. And then I wrote Deuteronomy 4.9. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Stop right there. You're like, what version are you reading? I I read New King James. Uh, Somebody bought me this Bible a while back. I think it was my wife. And uh, so I've been reading it, and my goal is to read the entire thing before I move on to another translation. So I'm doing New King James. That's New King James Deuteronomy 4.9. That was the scripture that jumped out at me, and it was particularly the phrase, lest you forget, that jumped out at me. Then I wrote down an O for observation, and next to it I wrote the O, I wrote the letter O, and I wrote the human heart is forgetful, even of what God has done. This is a command to stay close to God, reviewing what he has done for me, lest you forget. I put that in quotes. And I think that's why this verse jumped out to me. I saw that God was basically saying, remember all that I have done for you. Then the A for application, I wrote this. I need to stay consistent in daily devotional time. Within that time, I need to regularly review all that God has done for me, quote, lest I forget. I sensed God was telling me to remember all that he has done for me. And I felt like my best application of the scripture I was reading would be to affirm daily devotional time and to add a short time of remembering what God has done for me. Okay? Then came the P for prayer. And I wrote this. Lord, don't let me forget all you've done for me. Keep me in your word and in touch with the provision and presence you've always offered me. That's it. That's the entirety of my soap journal entry, okay? And I need you to understand this, guys. This is not long, flowery things. Every page on my journal here has four entries. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And I keep it to one page because I know that if I don't, it's going to stretch out too long and I'm going to get distracted and I'm not going to finish, okay? And when I do this, folks, I don't know why this works for me, but it works. It's the kind of thing where I can go back and say, ah, God spoke to me in a specific way in the Bible on this particular day. And what this, pr- and by the way, I do a couple extra things that I didn't, I wasn't going to focus on today, but I'll give you a little hint. I then title my entry, like on that one, it might say, lest you forget would be my title. I'd write it at the top. And then at the beginning of my journal, I actually go, and I've left a few pages at the beginning for, um, for the idea of writing, lest you forget a table of contents. And I have a table of contents that has dates, the, na- the title, and then the scripture next to it. And I do that all the time. And I can go back and look at my titles and go, oh yeah, that was this. Pretty simple, straightforward stuff, right? Now, I don't expect all of you to magically have a journal that's started by next week, okay? I do not necessarily expect that. But you've got to try something that's going to work for you to get you into God's word. Because the whole idea behind this isn't to say, oh, look, I have titled journal entries. This is awesome. Yes. No, that is not it. The idea behind this is that I want to be able to say, God spoke to me this year. He spoke to me this week. He spoke to me last month. And when somebody walks up to me and says, what's God doing in your life? I can say, well... I've been reading Deuteronomy, and you wouldn't believe the parallels in my own stupidity with the children of Israel. I'm seeing all the, <laughs> all the parallels there. If, I, if you wanted to talk about it with me after service, we can do that, because that's where he's speaking to me right now. Our focus, folks, is life change. Is life change. Don't you want to be a people who are different today than you were yesterday? Don't you want to be a people who are different this year than you were last year? I want, I want that. I want to be a little closer to God, a little more like him in character, a little more devoted to him because I'm just a little more sure about what his voice sounds like and what his conviction feels like and a little more struck with how far his grace reaches. That's what I want. I believe a set method like this can give us this this 
just this mental idea of where we're going before we open up our Bibles and before we just decide it's too overwhelming to get started. My hope here today is not necessarily to give you the end-all, be-all, catch-all of how you ought to read your Bible. The idea is there are simple ways to do it, and you can find what works for you to connect with God. Um, I want to say this one more time. If you decide to try the soap thing, don't get hung up on getting the leather-bound journal of awesomeness, okay? Um, use, a, use a notebook if that's what's available. Um, when writing, don't write too much. Sum up. Um, don't feel like everything has to be in perfect order for you to have an encounter with God. Uh, I think some of us, um, you know, unless we have like this half-hour, ten-minute warm-up time with, uh, with candles burning and soft music playing, uh, that our, our hearts can't be re <laughs> ready for God. It is not true. Um, I, I am all for preparing myself to connect with God spiritually, to be distraction-free and focused on Him. But if I waited for things in my crazy house to get just right, it would never happen. It would never happen. We, you know, I just got to like block out the noise and do it. I would rarely sit down and read my Bible. Um, just, I, you know, just pick it up, pray, ask God to speak, start reading, and then write stuff down. God will start to speak to you and cut through your clutter if you'll just take the time to meet with Him. Now, folks, um, if you start down this road and do what I'm challenging you to do today, you're jumping into a spiritual war. And so, I mean, you've got to decide whether or not that's worth it to you to deepen your relationship with God um, because that's what our enemy, the devil, wants to keep us from. Um, life change drives the devil crazy. So I'm not trying to scare you off by telling you that because if you decide that you uh, don't want to fight the war and maybe it's just easier to coast along, um, what's happening there is you're really fulfilling exactly what the enemy wants, which is for us to be distracted to hear from God. He wants us to coast because we're ineffective when we're not growing with Jesus. All right? All he wants for you is to forget about God, to pass over the reality that you have a mentor who can lead you and guide you. Um, a godly life won't happen unless we're connecting regularly with Jesus in a meaningful way, and he knows that. We need a fresh connection with God. Say it with me just one more time here. We need a fresh connection with God. Would you say it one more time? We need a fresh connection with God. Now I want to close out with this, all right? I said I was going to get back to the idea of rejection, and uh, some of you know what it means to have felt rejection in your life. Um, there was someone somewhere who should have protected you, who should have been kind to you and should have been there for you, but instead rejected you. And some of us had never had to go through that kind of pain, which I'm, you should be thankful if that's you, but some of us have. And when you've been hurt like that, rejected like that, the desire for intimacy that you have is actually stirred in your heart. And the fear that you're never going to find that intimacy, that God-given desire for intimacy is stirred as well. And for those of us who experienced rejection, our propensity to go to those substitutes, those blue fairies in our lives for intimacy is higher. We have a higher propensity for that. Our tendency is to keep putting stuff between us and God. And so as we close out today, I'd like to ask you to ask yourself, am I letting the rejection of the past and my fear of rejection in the future, am I letting that keep me from looking for intimacy in substitutes for God? Am I looking to substitutes instead of looking to God? Is that why it's keeping me there? Is that rejection keeping me there? It's, is it time for me to get the courage to really seek intimacy with God and get past the fear that he might let me down? Is it time to do that and just trust him not to reject me? I felt like there might be someone here this morning who needed to hear that. We want to move from information where God just tells us stuff to inspiration where we're moved by the word of God to change our mindset, our mindset to respond to him to incarnation, which is discipleship, meaning life that's devoted to following Jesus as he lives through us. That's what a fresh connection with God means, and we all need it. We gain that inspiration from getting refreshing daily in God's word. Without refreshing connection to God's word on a frequent, regular basis, we're going to drift back to those substitutes. It's just what we all naturally do. 
and I don't want to keep looking to things that don't bring me any intimacy. Don't you? I mean, do you want to keep looking to things that keep, don't bring intimacy? I don't. I don't. I want to look to God. I want intimacy with him. I'd, let's just make a commitment this morning to chuck the substitutes and chase after Jesus um, because he's going to live in us and through us and bring us that intimate relationship with God that we desire. Um, I'd love it if you guys would just join me in prayer now. Um, Nate, are we going to close out with a song? Would you guys stand um, and pray with me? Uh, Lord, I pray specifically now that um, each person in this room, myself included, would be uh, Holy Spirit motivated right now to come to know you more today than we did yesterday, to come to know you more in 2016 than we did at the end of 2015. Father, and I pray that that meaningful connection with you would be something that we all begin to burn with, that desire to know you more. Father, I pray you give us the courage to try to step out in your word, to know you through, through what, the way you've spoken to us in the Bible. Father, I pray for each person in this room that you would uh, reveal what the most effective way for them to connect with you is. Um, you know, the way to read the Bible, the way to connect with, with you, Lord. I, I pray that that would be revealed clearly. Um, I know it's going to be different for all of us. So, Lord... Um, with that in mind, I just pray we'd be a moved and changed people as a result of what you speak to us each day. I pray, Father, that even this next week we'd be able to start the new year going, man, I'm, I'm feeling connected with God because he's speaking to me daily. Lord, help us to get there. We're unable to do it on our own. We are dependent on you. In our humanness, we won't get there, Lord. We need you. We need you. I pray you would speak clearly and mightily. I pray all this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's respond to him in worship now.